Welcome to the 98th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we give you six of our guys before the NFL draft and compare them to their current 1QB rookie ADPs. What's up guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. We are officially one, no, six days away from the NFL draft and it is what is going to be probably one of the more exciting and unpredictable starts to the draft as I mean the San Francisco 49ers no one has a clue right Tyler like I, I think it's between it, it would you be comfortable in saying it's between the three quarterbacks Mac Jones Justin Fields and Trey Lance most definitely I don't think that that any other player is in question for the pick besides the three, those three players so um there's a lot of a lot of rumors going around saying that Mac Jones is the guy at number three. Uh, most recently, you showed me this today, Pat McAfee uh, talking on his podcast about how Mac Jones is one of the smartest quarterbacks uh, some scouts have ever seen mm-hmm. or ever spoken to. So um, there's definitely a lot of hype going around with Mac Jones. Um, maybe that's why the, the 49ers decided to move up nine spots two months out of the draft uh, to get to number three just to get ahead of the the chase. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's really a mystery right now because Mac Jones is the obvious, like the highest floor guy and will may not lift your ceiling as much as these other guys. And the 49ers have played with um, high floor guys through the past few years with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, So I don't know if they're looking for a change in that area possibly going for someone with a higher upside or kind of just sticking to their roots and drafting the safe guy. Yeah, no, it makes like when you really look at the situation, especially considering that Mac Jones, according to scouts, has been the smartest quarterback that any of these scouts have evaluated ever, which is kind of really high praise. And I mean, I personally have not spoken to him, so I can't like I can't doubt that, but it would mitigate a lot of the lack of actual physical talent that he has. Uh, the mental talent is a huge aspect in the NFL. I personally just think Justin Fields has maybe not as much, but relatively high amounts of mental talent to go along with elite physical tools, which can turn into a game-changing quarterback in the NFL. But when you really look at the scheme that they run, like it makes sense for Mac Jones to be the pick, right? Like I don't think scheme-wise, Justin Fields and Trey Lance necessarily fit exactly what the Niners have done. But maybe, like you said, it is that they're looking to kind of change things up a little bit and get away from Kyle Shanahan's way, which is going to be really interesting. Like, it makes sense for them to pick Mac Jones, but at the same time, I think the value of the entire situation is just so horribly done by the 49ers. Like, trading up two months in advance, multiple picks going to the Dolphins for that pick just really didn't make a lot of sense to me. But Whatever, we'll see what happens. It's a total mystery. I believe like the Vegas odds are changing every single day. And I like to see like who Vegas thinks is going to go where because the minute Zach Wilson's odds changed like minus 250 at number two overall, it was like a like an avalanche from then on. And now I believe it's like minus 5,000 to go number two to the New York Jets. So Vegas kind of knows what they're talking about. And in this scenario, the odds have not stayed the same for a single day. Like it is changing day after day after day. Uh, We saw Mac Jones be the heavy favorite, Justin Fields be the favorite, and Trey Lance go from being a complete wild card to actually being in the running. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this pick goes and how it shapes the rest of the draft because Mac Jones doesn't go three. I feel like he doesn't go for a few more picks after that, honestly. Um, The earliest I could see him going is number eight to Carolina. But 
we did have some trade news today. And I don't really know the specifics of it. Tyler, I'll let you get into it. What was the trade between Orlando Brown going to the Chiefs? Yeah, so Orlando Brown um, filled in as left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens last season when Ronnie Staley went down with an injury that took him out for the season. Um, he wanted to go play left tackle. So they, he got traded to the Chiefs uh, with a second-round pick and a 2022 sixth-round pick in exchange for the Chiefs' first-round pick, their third-round pick, their fourth-round pick, and next year's fifth-round pick. So for the Chiefs, you really, you really just move down about 27 spots in the draft, um, get out of the first round. You secure a left tackle for this upcoming season at the very least. He's on the last year of his deal. Um, and you lose, you lose a few mid-round picks for the Ravens. Obviously, you move up into the first round. So you now have, I think, picks 27 and 31. Um, you also get another third rounder, um, more mid-round picks. And then you move up in the 2022 draft from the sixth round to the fifth round. So, um, you know, for a guy, for a position of like substantial need throughout the league, uh, it feels like this was not the best, um, the best haul for the, for the Baltimore Ravens. Just thinking that, you know, this guy filled in for your team. He was your left tackle for basically for half the season. I think a little bit over half the season. I think he was, I think Ronnie Staley was hurt in that Steelers game in week seven or eight. Yeah. So a little bit over half the season and he did pretty well. Like, if he wasn't traded to the Chiefs, I think that uh, if he went anywhere else where there's a better cap situation, he would be traded and then immediately extended because he's a guy that you can rely on as your franchise left tackle, and that's who you're trading for. Um, with the Chiefs, is a different circumstance because of their salary cap situation, but um, you know we'll see in the future if they look to extend him. But, um, yeah, I think this is a great trade for the Chiefs uh, after cutting both their tackles right after the season. And they just replenish it just like that. They also had a Joe Thune inside through free agency. So they've done a pretty good job of adding some offensive line help after we saw the Bucks really tear them up in the Super Bowl. Yeah, like the, what they needed to do, they got done. They This offensive line looks, or at least the left side of it, between Joe Thune and Orlando Brown, that's scary. Like that is an elite left side of the offensive line. Now you still have, I, I believe, two second-round picks to try to figure out the right side of the offensive line uh, amongst other needs on this team. But the, the Chiefs are in really good shape. I agree with you. I think it was a bit questionable value for the Ravens. Like, I, I was convinced that he was going to end up in Jacksonville for, like, DJ Chark and a pick. It just made so much sense. But I guess that did not happen. I think um, in terms of fantasy applications, uh, I can say I think this does upgrade players on the Chiefs, specifically being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because – those running lanes are going to be there now. Like, I think that's my biggest thing is those running lanes are going to be there for CEH. And the question, I don't think they're going to draft a running back because they're limited on top end draft capital. Now they're probably going to try to fill other needs on their team. So I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is actually a winner from this deal, along with Patrick Mahomes for obvious reasons, being a left tackle. Um, do you see any other winners on the chiefs or is those kind of like the two guys that you're getting from this scenario? I mean, not really. Like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Kill, those were two guys that were going to finish in the top five either way. Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, I think that he just had his second consecutive uh, tight end one finish. So, like, you can't really get much better from there. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, as far as not in fantasy-wise, I think that he's a big winner because, you know, you have, a, you have an opportunity of getting your 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 franchise left tackle. Um, like I said, we don't know what, what's going to happen with the extension, uh, whether, whether it happens or not. But, I mean, Mahomes is going to be pretty moderately protected this upcoming season, right. pretty well protected for on the left side, like you said. And uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, he's not a guy that really relies too much on his offensive line in the first place, but, um, you know, it helps. Yeah. Like yeah. getting, getting an upgraded offensive line, like it's going to help regardless. Um, he's still like kind of in that RB2 range. He's a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy still for me, just because um, unless he starts getting into the end zone next year, it's just, it's just very difficult to see the full upside for Clyde edwards alaire but he's he's in the he's in the Chiefs uh, offense, so yeah. I mean that, that's enough that, that's enough for fantasy, right? Like just playing for the yeah. Chiefs, they score so many damn touchdowns that I mean some positive regression for Ceh near the goal line, and he has a chance to be an RB one. I agree with you. I think he's an RB two at this moment in time, just because there's other great running backs right now. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but I do want to get into this draft and specifically talking about prospects because obviously draft capital plays a big, big part into the equation. But at the same time, you want to have your own evaluation of talent. You want to look at the profiles as a whole and see which players you think actually can end up being good values in your rookie drafts. And I think, I mean, Tyler, let you start this off. But I think there's some guys in this draft that are going to end up becoming really, really good values because they're not necessarily the top end guys that everybody wants, but they're still quality, quality players. And as long as I get that draft capital, I think they're going to be really good. So hit me. We'll, we'll do three each. Hit me with one of your guys in this year's draft. Yeah, the first guy that I'm thinking of right now is probably Diami Brown um, out of UNC. I just think that he's a super clean prospect, very pro- polished receiver. Um, has a very clean release, and uh, he, he has one of the best releases in the draft. Um, he can go. He can pretty much. He's a great all-around receiver. Like he can do a lot. Run after catch. He can go up and make some contested catches. Um, the only issue with with him is kind of finding that elite trait for that um, kind of separates him amongst other players. But uh, as of right now, he's a very good all-around player, and I, I think that he has a lot of room to grow as a, as a wide receiver in the league. Um, but what really intrigues me is his, his, his footwork, his route running um, and his release off the line. So um, I think that demonstrates his work ethic as far as like working on his, his routes and stuff. But um, I feel pretty confident in him becoming a very, a very good receiver in the league. Yeah, no, like I, I totally agree. You know, I love Deami Brown. I've kind of been banging the jump for him for a little bit. Uh, he's, he was really good when he was young. He's probably one of the best receivers we've seen at UNC in a long time, maybe ever. I know they had Hakeem Nix a few years ago, who was also really, really good. But Deami Brown, like he can play and he plays outside too, which is very uncommon for the dra- players in this draft class. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, six foot, 190, maybe 195. Kind of built like Justin Jefferson, same type of build. Not same player, but they are relatively similar in the fact that these guys on in-breaking routes are insanely good. Whether it's short, intermediate, down the field, whatever it may be, they can play. So, yeah, no, I love Deami Brown. Um, I think right now I don't have the ADPs in front of me from the last time I've seen. He's going like mid-second round, maybe late second round in rookie drafts, which to me is incredible value so like if you just want to talk i mean i want to talk about value today but also just picking players that you like so deami brown i agree with but like 
his value is probably going to be one of the better ones in this class, considering he still has potential to be a starting outside receiver on an NFL team. And that alone is interesting enough. Um, are you are you trying to pull up the rookie ADPs or? Okay, so I'll, <laughs> I'll let you get to that. But I will go ahead and start with one of my guys. And um, I want to start this off actually with the biggest name that's on my list because I feel like he's someone that since his weight came out the other day has kind of been slept on a little bit. And that's Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith maybe shouldn't go top three, top four picks in this draft, in rookie draft. Um, I think I would probably take Jamar Chase, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, maybe Javante Williams, maybe Kyle Pitts over him, depending on landing spot. But there's only like you've, if you're drafting Devonte Smith, you have to accept the fact that he's an outlier at this point. Like a guy who weighs 166 pounds shouldn't win the Heisman. So that is an outlier in its own right. A guy that weighs 166 pounds shouldn't be the leading receiver in SEC history in regards to yards and touchdowns. A guy who weighs 166 pounds shouldn't be the best player on Alabama's football team this past season, but he was, he was the best player in the country. So you have to accept the fact that he's an outlier, right? And once you look past all that, yes, he weighs 166 pounds. He's still about six foot and a half, six foot flat, six one, anywhere in that range. And he can play. Devontae Smith is one hell of a football player. Like people are overlooking that because he's skinny. Oh, well, it, like being skinny doesn't really matter that much if you have a good coach who knows how to move you around and keep you from getting bracketed coverage. Like press, he's killing people in press. Look at his his highlights against J.C. Horn and uh, Derek Stingley. He gave those guys about 500 yards in three games combined. Like He dominates against elite talent. I don't really know what the question – like, outside of size, there really isn't any question marks for me with Devontae Smith. Yes, he might be 22 years old, but Jalen Waddle's 22 years old as well. He out, uh, Devontae Smith outproduced Jerry Judy last year. Um, he was on a team with four first-round wide receivers, although Henry Ruggs maybe shouldn't have been a first-round talent. You can say three first-round wide receivers along with a great running game. Like, Devontae Smith makes plays up and down the field. I love Devontae Smith. I think if you can get him in the middle or late part of your first-round draft – for some odd reason, if he slides a little bit, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing because he still has wide receiver one upside in the NFL. I don't know if it's number one wide receiver overall, but I mean, you look at what Calvin Ridley's been able to accomplish. I think Devontae Smith in the right situation, the same way Ridley was this past season, can accomplish something similar, which is ultimately a top top 10 season, but a top five like top five production per game, which is electric. And that's kind of what you want from Devontae Smith. So I just wanted to get that out there. Devontae Smith, for as much as people sleep on him, he's my guy. And like, I will not let the analytics destroy whatever talent that he is. He's an outlier. I've accepted it. And I believe he's going to continue to do that in the NFL. Yeah, there's definitely some, uh, some accounts out there, uh, Instagram and Twitter that really hate on Devonta Smith because of his, his size and the the BMI on him, um, you know that's great and all, but sometimes you just have to look at the tape and understand like this is this is a top end talent like in, in the ever. In <laughs> yeah. He's one of the best college receivers ever. Like he won the Heisman for a reason. Like <laughs> yeah. I understand that he's 166 pounds. It's a it's a bit of a concern, but besides that, like there's really no concerns. And when you talk about other other receivers that have struggled in the NFL at that size, they didn't, they didn't have the resume that Devonta Smith had going exactly. into the NFL. So like, 
there needs to be a little bit more respect for Devonta Smith. Um, like you said, getting him in that mid to late first round would be, that would be very good. I think that if he, I think we talked about it with, um, with Will, maybe not last pot or the pod before, but I think a good landing spot for him would be the Giants. Yeah. Uh, up as the number two receiver for that team. I think that anywhere where he ends up being the number two receiver on a pretty good passing offense, um, Giants haven't really shown to be a very good passing offense, but we can we can hope for something better this season yeah. with year three Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay in, in there. But uh, anyways, um, anywhere where he ends up being a number two receiver, I think that he has a lot of upside. Like you said, comparing him to Calvin Ridley, like if he gets one on one coverage, like he's going to cook you. Like he yeah. there, there aren't he, he's one of <laughs> watch, the most, watch he's the championship most game. Yeah. Like, if you have any issues with Devonta Smith uh, that go beyond his weight, like, just go turn on the national championship. Like, he just – he torches corners. Um, and, like, he's, he's in the SEC. He played for Alabama. Like, I don't, I don't understand the concerns be, beyond the weight. And even at that, like, he has one of the best resumes coming out of college for any receiver ever. Yeah. So, um, he's – on this list, on this rankings, he's listed at six. If he falls past that, I think that's a really good steal. That's a steal. Um, <laughs> six is fair. Who's ahead of him, though? Uh, Javante Williams at five, Pitts at four, Etienne at three, Chase at two, Najee one. So I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think I, that, those are honestly like very valid rankings. So Devontae Smith going up like – even if you have the 1.06, like I understand that's where he's projected to go, but like that sounds like a really good pick in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I would, be, I would love to have him there. Like if you, if you end up, I mean, if you're at sixth overall in a 10 team league, you're probably in the playoffs. I think that you're, you were just in the playoffs. So uh, having that pick ending up being Devonta Smith, I think that's a really good pick. Um, as far as a guy that can come in and contribute right now, I think that, like I said, if, if he ends up being a number two on a team that has a good passing offense, I think he can really produce. Uh, going back to Diami Brown on these rankings, he's sitting at 23 right now. So that's oh my great. gosh. So late Wait. second in a 12 team. Yes. Late wow. second or early third. Who's um, do you, who's ahead of him? Just like uh, the top, like go up to 20. Chuba Hubbard. Oh, Jer- no. Jermar Jefferson. Oh, no. Zach Wilson and then Kadarius Toney. Okay, so Kadarius yeah. Tony, huh? I think that I think he should be right there with Kadarius Tony in my eyes. I agree with uh, that. I think that Tony has a little bit more upside. I don't know, I'd probably take him over him. Uh, that's that's who I'm going to talk about next, actually. But uh, Diami Brown is going to be a very solid receiver. Uh, I, I feel very confident about it, and I think that he he's more of a floor guy as opposed to Tony's uh, upside. But um, talking about Tony, like he. He's electric, man. Like we, we saw him do absolutely like everything in the Florida Gators offense. Obviously, he had Kyle Pitts next to him, but um, he missed a few games with a concussion. And even without Pitts in the in the lineup, like he was still torching defenses, uh, making plays underneath, um, making plays through screens and stuff, making plays over the middle, making plays downfield. Like he is just all over the field. He's very electric. Um, just a a great watch overall. Like he, as far as just yeah. watching film, like he, he's one of the best watches like visually, like it's just visually pleasing to watch him play football. 
Um, I'm a Gators fan. I um, oh, so this I, is the Homer pick, is what you're saying? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just saying I've watched a lot of Kadarius Tony throughout the season. Um, I feel very good about him in the NFL if he ends up in the right situation. I think that um, I don't think that San Francisco would take him, and I don't think that they'll be able to take him. But if he ended up in a situation like that, um, I, I that would be a crazy fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I really look at him as a as like a Deontay Johnson type. And I think that he has a little bit more upside because he's a lot more explosive than Deontay as far as straight line speed. So um, I feel great about Kadarius Tony. If he ends up in the right situation, I think that he could be a, a ridiculous steal at, what was it, late, late second round, early, early 30, third round, mm-hmm. uh, going at ranked at 19th right now. So um, I think that's heavily – I think that's really uh, undervalued for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And, like, you know me, I've I've been banging the Tony drum for, for a while because I watched that UMUF game where Tony had, I believe, a screen that went for, like, 63 yards and a touchdown. And from that moment on, I was really confused as to why he wasn't used. And to this day, I still don't understand why his junior year and sophomore and junior year, he really did not get a lot of run. Um, but once they started putting him on the field his senior year, he was electric. Now, I understand not playing until your senior year – raises a bit of concern from a prospect perspective but this is another player where it's like if he lands in the right situation where a coach doesn't just pigeonhole him and say line up outside and play wide receiver for me if he moves him around gets him involved in multiple sets you can use him as a pass catching back as a slot as an outside receiver like there's so you can play him anywhere on the field and if you're able to you do that and use him in that capacity, then yeah, I think Kadarius Tony can be really special. One place that I would love to see him end up, beginning of the second round to the Carolina Panthers, I believe at pick 40 overall is what it would be. Um, that would be... That would be gnarly. A beautiful, beautiful thing. What Did they give up that pick to the Jets, actually? Um, or did they give up a 2022 no, second? I believe. Okay. So, it, like, if they can get him, that would be a beautiful thing. I just give... Joe Brady, a Kadarius Tony to go along with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I understand he'd be a third wide receiver in a sense, really fourth wide receiver behind Christian McCaffrey, but like the electricity that Kadarius Tony would be playing with in that offense would just be insane. Um, As a pure football fan, that's what I would like to see from a fantasy perspective. I don't really know, like it's going to be tough to guess where a player like him will go, but as long as he ends up with a coach that gets him in space, crazy. And like you said, 19th overall, that, that, that value is unreal. So I, I love Kadarius Tony. Cannot wait to see where he ends up in the NFL. I want to talk about another guy that I think is actually being slept on um, for a multitude of reasons because he didn't play this past year. <clears throat> so he only has one good year of production. He didn't play at a power five school. So his one year of production is heavily underrated, undervalued, and disrespected because he played at Memphis. And this is Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis. I think he weighed in at 201 pounds, five, 10 and a half, 201 pounds, which in theory doesn't sound that big, but you look at the guys that kind of fit his mold. It's like Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. Now I'm not saying he's going to be any one of those players, but those guys share elite receiving traits. And that is what Kenneth Gainwell shares as well. He's a pretty good runner. I wouldn't say he's a fantastic runner the way that uh, Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey are maybe a little bit closer to Austin Eckler. Um, 
but as a pass catcher, he's electric. He's a weapon. You can move him in and out of the in and out of the formation wherever you want. And he's got speed. He ran a four four two unofficial, I believe. Uh, the people who did that pro day came out and said it was officially a four four seven. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I mean five ten two oh one four four seven. That when you look at the numbers, he is ridiculously comparable to Austin Eckler who also played at a non-Power 5 school. I believe Austin Eckler didn't even play at like a traditional D1. He played at like a D1A or something, which is why he won undrafted. Um, I think if Kenneth Gainwell played this past season, we'd be having him in the conversation to be a top three running back in his draft class. I personally have him at four, but a lot of people have him outside of their top like six. And I think it's really, really disrespectful. He's the best pass catching back in this class. And he has an elite trait to hang his hat on. At the very worst, he's going to be like a pretty good version of James White. I can't say he'll be fully James White because it depends on the coach, but at his best, he's going to be an Austin Eckler type player, which is someone who's not going to be your traditional workhorse, but 60% of the snaps go to him. He's going to be a beast, can do everything on the field. And one place I would love to see him end up is Arizona. I think with the Cardinals, it'll be a beautiful, 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 beautiful fit. That's one thing I want to see. Um, but he can end up anywhere, honestly. I just want to see Kenneth Gainwell in the NFL. Tyler, what is his rookie ADP if you have that up? I was just looking at it. I think it was 11 and uh, you were right about, yeah, it's 11th, um, 442 at 201 pounds. I mean, that I, 201's bigger than I expected. I thought he would be at the 190, 195. He, on, he, he was at 190 uh, going after his redshirt freshman year. And then this past season he took off and he put on 11 pounds of muscle with no speed lost, maybe gaining speed which is really impressive. Like he has an NFL build now, which is what I wanted to see. He doesn't look like, like a slightly taller version of Philip Lindsay. Like he looks built. He's ready to go. I'm excited to see where Kenneth Gainwell ends up wherever he is. I think he's going to have at the very least a role carved out the beginning of his rookie year, but I could truly see him being one of the best running backs from this class, considering how weak of a class it is. Like He's one of the few guys with an elite trait that is valuable in the NFL. That's what a lot of people overlook is like, yes, he doesn't have prototypical size, but how many running backs around the league that aren't full on bell cow workhorse guys are have prototypical size. Like you normally compensate for one area with another. And I think his receiving skills are the best in this class, probably by a mile. Najee yeah. Harris is the only one that I think is close. And I mean, that just speaks to how great Najee Harris is, but I love Kenneth Gainwell. Um, if I can get him in the second round of my rookie drafts, I think that's a amazing, amazing value because there are a lot of receivers that I would personally probably take ahead of him. But once like the Terrace Marshall, Rashad Batemans of the world are off the board, I think Kenneth Gainwell is right up there to be a late first round pick, early second round pick in rookie drafts. And the upside that he has is unbelievable. So there's my Kenneth Gainwell uh, speech. Yeah, with Gainwell, I think that if he ends up in a situation like Arizona, his draft stock could soar up to that mid-first round after that that uh, the Devonta Smiths of the world. Um, it really just depends on his landing spot and the draft capital spent on him. Um, another person who's really depending on his draft capital uh, is a guy that I'm a big fan of, Trey Sermon. Um, yes, Trey Sermon love. Did not get to see much of him in the national championship. I think that he was um, – on his first carry, he was taken out of the game, but uh, very big back, six foot, 220 pounds. Um, change of pace for for um, a few of the, the running backs that we've spoken about, but um, very physical, very versatile. Um, 
can catch passes out of the backfield. Not great, but you know, he can, he can do it. Um, I think early on in his career, he can end up in a situation where he's not asked to be the workhorse. And at this point in the NFL, there are very few workhorses in the NFL or players that weren't being a workhorse. So uh, Trey Sermon is a guy that I think that could end up being like a, like a thunder to someone's lightning. Um, one place that I really think about a lot is Buffalo for him. I think that that would be a great fit for him. Um, but it really just depends on the draft capital spent on him as far as his fantasy value long-term. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel very good about the Trey Sermon uh the prospect at this moment in time. Um, I think that he has a lot of upside, um, but going at, I think that he's sitting at, must be pretty low on here. I, Sermon. Yeah, a lot of websites seem to disrespect Trey Sermon. Uh, okay, he's at 24 right behind Diami Brown. So, um, I think at this point it's warranted because he's kind of outside of the first two tiers ish, mm-hmm. maybe sitting at the bottom of that second tier of running backs. But um, it really just depends on his draft capital because as of right now, he's sitting at maybe a third round pick, possibly fourth round pick. So um, whatever draft capital a team spends on him is going to depend or it's going to uh, d- decide his fantasy value. Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that has enough traits to the point where you can look at him and say, okay, this guy for sure has a role in the NFL, and then draft capital and opportunity obviously will decide the rest of it for him. But he's really big, he's really strong, and he's really, really quick. He's not that fast. But when you look at the type of player that he is, um, at least in terms of the capacity that this player has been used in the NFL, I think he's really similar to Josh Jacobs. Like really, really, really similar um, quick, not fast, strong power backs that are built to be power backs, like 220 pounds. You've like, they run full head of steam shoulder down into somebody. They do not care. They will try to truck somebody if necessary, but they're also quick enough to make somebody miss in the hole. Um, Trey Sermon in the third round to me just seems like a steal relative to, relative to the upside that he can have. I don't really know specifically where I would like to see him. Like, honestly, I think he's kind of similar to Kareem Hunt, maybe like obviously worse as a pass catcher, but I would love to see him in Kansas City. I think if he slides to like the fourth round, that would be a place that makes a lot of sense for him. And that's a place where I would actually look at him as maybe like one of the more valuable handcuffs in the NFL. Um, I don't think he's going to have a starting role from day one, wherever he is though. So it's going to be a matter of luck for Trey Sermon to ultimately have that type of role, but you want to get him in a, a, a better offense that can kind of use him out in space a little bit rather than just running eye formation, similar to the way that the law, the Las Vegas Raiders use Josh Jacobs. So that's, that's my opinion on Trey Sermon. I, I like him though. I love the pick. I think he's going to end up being a pretty, pretty solid player. Um, another guy, another receiver, because I like the receivers a lot more than the running backs in this class. Like I think Trey Sermon, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, pretty much is the five guys that I want to touch in drafts like Gainwell as well oh Gainwell yeah I forgot I forgot <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell I, I just gave a whole rant about him trust me I do want to draft Kenneth Gainwell but those six I think that's six I don't know I'm tired that's five, that's five. <laughs> yeah I'm out of it I'm out of it but I'm in on Tylen Wallace I think Tylen Wallace is someone that has been really undervalued can you pull up Tylen Wallace's ADP really quick 
I think he's ahead of most guys. Um, no way. He's sitting at 17, so he's ahead of Tony. Wow. He's ahead of Diami Brown. Um, right behind Trent and Elijah Moore. Okay, so that, that makes things a little bit more interesting, but I actually uh, would take him over both of the receivers that we have named thus far. Or all, no, not all three, because Devontae Smith, I'm clearly taking over him. I would take Tylen Wallace over Deami Brown and Kadarius Toney. I think he's honestly probably like the sixth best receiver in this draft class. Um, he had a bit of a tough time coming back from an ACL injury in like seven months. So the fact that he was able to do that uh, is an accomplishment in and of itself, but he's one hell of a player. Uh, he's 5'11 and a half, six foot, probably six one, probably with cleats on. Um, ran, I believe, a 4'440, like a 4'46, I think it was. Um, so pretty, pretty good 40. Weighs about 195 pounds. So another guy that's kind of undersized, like Deami Brown, but is able to play the outside position. He can play the X, he can play the Z. And the player that I think he's most comparable to is Michael Gallup. I just see so many similarities. They're great with the jump ball. They are physical after the catch and honestly have all the traits of being a number one receiver. Just, I don't know if he'll get that opportunity from day one, but I mean, put Talon Wallace in almost any offense and he's ready to go as the number three receiver on that team. And then he'll develop from there. He was ridiculously productive very early on at Oklahoma state. I believe he was big 10 or big 12 freshman of the year. Um, he was really, really good Tore his ACL middle of his junior year and then was not able to declare, but he probably would have been a first round pick two years ago. And now that he kind of had an iffy ish return, um, but he still looks healthy and he did great at his pro day. I think Talon Wallace is going to be a steal. I really, really do. If I can get him in late second round, that's where I want to try to get him. I think his upside is as a really, really, really good number two receiver in the NFL, similar to what Michael Gallup has shown. And if you can get that in a pass-happy offense, game over. Like, that, that's great value for a second-round pick in a dynasty draft. He might not become the overall alpha, but if you're picking in the, the, the late teens or the 20s of your rookie drafts, I don't know if you're going to get an alpha at the wide receiver position. It's possible. I mean, you can take a chance on a guy like Seth Williams, but relative to production or production relative to the draft capital that you're going to give for a rookie, I think Tylen Wallace probably is one of the best chances of being really, really, really productive for what you're investing in him. So I want Tylen Wallace on my dynasty teams. I'm going to try to do everything in my power that I can. I also, I, did we cover all six? Did we get to all six people so far? Yeah, we did. I believe. Yeah. I, I covered my three that you got your three. Um, yeah. Uh, that was much quicker than I feel like I expected. Um, and we are like, just, just so we can clarify this, like there's no prospect that I think we're really fully out on in terms of the top guys, like Jamar Chase, I'm in Najee Harris in Travis Etienne in Javante Williams in Jalen Waddle, I think might be a little bit overvalued in fantasy circles. I think he's going to be a very, very productive NFL player, but I don't know what his ceiling is as a fantasy asset, if that makes sense. Um, people comparing him to Tyreek Hill, just they assume that Tyreek Hill isn't a unicorn. Like we've never seen someone like Tyreek Hill before. So to try to put that expectation on someone from day one, I think is just really, really risky for a guy like Jalen Waddle, where he can be a great NFL player and not come close to what Tyreek Hill has done. And that is totally okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think overall he's just being overvalued in fantasy and in, in the NFL in general, because, um, you know, he's being rumored to be like a top 15 draft pick 
And yeah, teams have like some people have him going seven overall to the Lions. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to me. Um, <laughs> people putting him over Devonta Smith are, are I don't know. It's it's just kind of crazy to me. It reminds me of Marquise Brown getting a lot of hype as the wide receiver one in his draft, which I think was 2018, 2019. He got drafted um, wide receiver one. Oh, did he? Yeah, 25th but overall. He's the first the, the, the only that. first round wide receivers in that draft were Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry. Let that sink in. <laughs> and then the second round the second round was AJ Brown. Uh, third round was Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf. And DK was end of the second. There was crazy. someone else in that second round that I'm not thinking of, but like that's Debo crazy. Samuel. I did not know that he was the the first wide receiver taken. I feel like just think about how many receivers are going to be taken early in the draft, especially last year. I think that there was three taken in the first 15 picks and then five within the first 24. Um, it's crazy to think that Marquise Brown was the first receiver taken at like 22, was it 23? Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just feel like Jalen Waddle doesn't really profile as a wide receiver one in in football terms. Like, I, I just don't think that he's a guy that can be your number one guy in your offense. Like he's not going to command, uh, 140 targets a season. If he stays through 16 games, like he's just not a guy that you want to spam, um, as your number one guy and to face number one corners. Um, I think that he can be a, a really good number two receiver that plays alongside a guy that gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's a guy that can keep the defense honest, like over the top um, and just pretty good route running. I just think that he could be a very, very dangerous number two receiver. Yeah. And that could translate to fantasy value. It just really depends on where he ends up. Um, you know, we talked about, I believe we talked about on this podcast about him going to the Chargers. Yes. Dream scenario for me. Like, yeah. I, fire that up. I mean, I wouldn't take him at 12, but like he's going to go around that area. Mm-hmm. And if he ends up going there at 12, um, I think that it's a really good fit with Herbert at quarterback, Keenan Allen on the other side. Um, he could really do some damage. We did talk about this because we talked about Guyton getting like four touchdowns out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so like Waddle gets eight by rule. Like that's just what'll happen. Yeah. So for Waddle, his fantasy value just it depends on the situation. With yeah. I mean, you, you could say that about pretty much every player in the in this draft, but he's one of the players that are more dependent on it. Like Najee Harris, he could go anywhere and will probably finish as a, an RB two like a top 20, top 24 option uh, this upcoming season, regardless of where he goes. Um, what's his uh, – Jalen Waddle can end up being like wide receiver 50 or 60 if he ends up in the wrong situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, that's just how I feel about Waddle. Um, oh, yeah, Tylen Wallace. We talked about – we've talked about uh, coming back from torn ACLs very often on this podcast. Like the first season back, you deal with a lot of hamstring injuries – a lot of tightness in the surrounding muscles and you really see the blow up in that second year. And that's what Tylen Wallace is going to experience in his rookie season. We saw it in a different position, but Dalvin cook um, really struggled in his first season back after a torn ACL dealt with a lot of hamstring injuries. I think he missed like four games throughout the season um, single-handedly with the hamstring injuries and picked up some steam on the, at the end of the season, but like just did not look like the superstar that he is now or looked like the next season. Yeah. So uh, Tylen Wallace, I think that 
like you said, he could be very, he's very undervalued just because there's so many good receivers in this draft. Um, so I think that a team could really get a steal on, on Tylen Wallace if they draft him. Like Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. <laughs> is he rumored to go, uh, is he projected to go third round? In- yeah, uh, a lot of mocks have him going like third, like mid to late third, some even fourth. But like the, at that point in the draft, like teams don't ca- like people don't care about where you're supposed to go or like value. Teams are just getting their guys at that point. So like I think a team will move up to get Talon Wallace because the upside with him is it's truly, truly surpasses his draft capital that is going to be invested in the actual NFL. Like he can be a really, really good player really early on. And like you said, that year two blow up is a real thing for the ACLs. Like it is a tough injury to come back from. And he did it, I think in like seven months and he was already back practicing fully by the time they started their summer practice. Um, He's a warrior and his play style is something that I think is really going to succeed in the NFL. Um, He's not just a contested catch guy. Like he can get open over the middle of the field really easily. And that is something that is really, really valuable. He reminds me of like a, I mean, I, I, Michael Gallup is like the one for one comparison, but he's got some DJ Moore in his game as well. Very physical after the catch and he's great high pointing, but he's also great at using his body to create a window for the quarterback to throw. Um, I talk about Talon Wallace all day. I, I just think he's going to be one of the bigger steals in this draft. I really, really truly believe that. Like if he goes, let's say like 70th overall in the NFL draft, I think Talon Wallace is going to be someone where people look back and they say, damn, like he slid that far just because he had a torn ACL and he didn't look right year one. Like that is the type of conversation I think we could have with him because if he was fully healthy, I, I'm not saying that he would have been, but he would at least have been in the conversation to be the third best receiver in this draft class. And I truly believe that like right there with Rashad Bateman, right there with uh, Jalen Waddle, right there with Rondo Moore, if he isn't already with or ahead of Rondo Moore, um, I think Tylen Wallace has a chance to be special. So with all that being said, it's draft week. Yeah. It's crazy that we're finally at this point. It feels like the Super Bowl was three years ago and it was only about two and a half months ago. Crazy. We are are here and we're going to be doing, uh, I think our draft coverage will probably wait until after the NFL draft to post our reactions. So we have some like calm, cool, collected analysis to give to you guys. But on the Instagram account, we are going to be posting instant reactions. I'm going to post when the Patriots make a pick. Tyler's going to post when the Steelers make a pick. Maybe Will is going to post when the Giants make a pick. And we're also going to pretty much give reactions, whether in the first round, second round, third round, like the high draft capital guys, we're going to talk about the instant reaction as to what this means for fantasy for skilled positions. So like when Jalen Waddle goes 13th to the Chargers, we are going to talk about it. When Rashad Bateman somehow slips to the Patriots when they trade back in the first round, we're going to talk about it. When Talon Wallace ends up with the Patriots, the late third round, we're going to talk about it. Up on the Patriots, huh? When the Pittsburgh Steelers trade up from 24 to 15 with the New England Patriots to draft Kyle Trask, we will be talking about it. So make sure that you tune into the Instagram. I think it's going to be a really good time. Might go live, might not go live. We'll see what happens. But the draft coverage is definitely going to be popping and – it's going to be a fun draft. I'm really excited for this draft, Tyler. Any like single bold prediction that you have for this draft, realistically? Or not realistically because it's bold, but something something to get the people going. Hmm. I think – I don't know if this is bold because 
everyone, every Steelers reporter that I, I hear from says this, but feels like Najee Harris is, if he's there, they're going to take him at 25. Oh, no. Like, I mean, I don't know. No. I think that they should take offensive no. line. Yes. But um, Najee Harris is a guy that, I mean, he needs some offensive line, but, like, he, he just – He's just an animal, bro. Oh, no, he's he, a beast. And he replaces a lot of what Le'Veon Bell used to give you. But Le'Veon yeah. was good with a good old line. Yeah, I think that they're a little different, though. Like, Le'Veon's game, he needs an offensive line because he's too patient behind the backfield. Najee Harris can just – Can he, through. though? Like, I'm not taking anything away from Najee. I think almost every running back in the NFL outside of Chris Carson needs a good offensive line. I agree. I agree. But I think that he's less dependent of it than Le'Veon. Okay, yeah, I, I can go with that. And he's, he's 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 a beast. Like I don't, I was gonna say he's a better receiver, but he's not. Like him and Le'Veon are very comparable. It's, it's it's not even saying that Najee's a better player than than Le'Veon. It's just they're two different games. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is another guy that doesn't need the greatest offensive line to be successful. And we saw that with Le, like he was just more productive than Le'Veon. Yeah, he um, creates holes for himself. Like he's just yeah. so smart. So, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're going at there. I don't know. If, if my – I mean, the Patriots did it a few years back, and I was ecstatic, and I have grown old and wise since then. Um, if my team drafts a running back in the first round, I will riot. <laughs> and it, like, I think it should be the same for almost any team, like, especially in this draft class. I don't think any of these running backs are deserving of a first-round pick comparing compared to the other positions. Um that that's personally just how I feel about it. I think there's some really good role player running backs in this draft class. No stars though, like there was last year. Like Najee Harris, huh? You don't think Najee is a star? No, no, no. no. I, I was I was saying like the depth of the class. Like I think Najee's a star. Etn can be a star. Javante Williams has a chance. I think Kenneth Gainwell has a chance. But like out, I think the only clear cut star is Najee, and I still would not take him in the first draft, first round of the draft. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's gonna be a fun draft overall. Um. So, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week, though. Will will probably be with us as well. It's had a bit of a time crunch in terms of getting this one in. But the draft coverage is going to be fun. And then after the draft, like, we can realistically start talking about sleepers, busts, who's going to be better next year, who isn't. Um, and it's, like, 2021 time, which is crazy. But the fantasy season feels like ages ago, which it was. It was, like, five months ago almost. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun NFL draft. Hopefully the Patriots don't make me upset, but then again, the times that they've made me upset is actually when they've made good picks. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Every time they pick the guy I want, they end up playing like shit. So um, yeah, fun, fun draft time. Oh yeah. That wraps up today's Our Guys podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode, which will likely come out after the NFL draft. But we will have live reaction from our Instagram account at First Take Fantasy on Instagram. So make sure to follow that. Going to have tons of updates and reactions to all of the skilled players being picked for the NFL draft. It'll be a good time. Make sure you tune in.